Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by, if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 104, The Grey Physician. Today's proverb comes from Hippocrates. I'll read it twice. It's more important to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease a person has. Once more. It's more important to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease a person has. I am not a doctor, but I am a teacher, which is similar. There's a lot of similarities between doctors and teachers. They both do remedial work. Consider The Prayer of the Student by Thomas Aquinas, which contains the line, Take from me the double darkness in which I was born, an obscurity of sin and ignorance. That's what students want. They want to be cured of a double darkness, of a double blindness. In this way, a school is like a hospital. Good students are disciples of their teachers, but disciples must be disciplined, and no discipline is pleasant. 
hospitals and schools are both places you go to become reformed, to become formed again, anew, to be formed again in that form which is natural to you. You go to have something restored at both a school and a hospital. People go to both of these places, hospitals and schools, often against their wills. This is a point that a colleague of mine made at the end of the last school year that I have been mulling over all summer. A similarity between schools and hospitals. Many forms of physical healing require discipline too. And I think this is why many people are not interested in healing They're just interested in the alleviation of pain. And there's a difference between wanting healing and wanting just pain to go away. These days, you can get pain to go away relatively quickly. It may come back. It may be even worse when it comes back. But the alleviation of pain is far easier than healing. Similarly, I think there's many people that are tempted to only be interested in education in as much as it can alleviate pain. And that pain is poverty or the fear of poverty, the fear of not making it. Fear is painful. And a steady stream of good report cards can alleviate the pain that comes with a fear of not making it, not being successful. As a teacher, I hear a lot about medicine. I hear a lot about the newest medicines. I hear about new diagnoses for the newest conditions. I hear about new therapies for the latest disorders. There is a growing number of parents who believe that they're not doing their jobs, they're not taking care of their kids unless they get their children diagnosed with something from the DSM-5 or something even more recent than that. There are a surprising number of Christians who believe that they are free to believe anything that a medical doctor tells them, and that they're free to compel everyone around them to believe it too, including teachers. And there's a good many Christians who adopt a skeptical attitude towards some scientists, like scientists who claim that The earth is billions of years old, or scientists, quote-unquote, doctors who are willing to mutilate little boys who think they're girls. But if you doubt that my son has a medical condition which makes his handwriting sloppy, you are a bigot. It's a medical condition. Who are you to doubt doctors? Who are you to doubt science? Christians whine. They complain about how... Christians can't speak their minds anymore because of how 
militant secularists are. Secularists will cancel me if I speak my mind. Please. Christians can't speak their minds anymore because of how militant Christians are, too. It's more important to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease a person has. Now, this is not a proverb about treating the whole person, quote-unquote, in what that expression has come to mean. This isn't some proverb that exonerates fashionable American approaches to ancient Chinese medicine. Hippocrates is not saying that you need to eat avocados and fish pills to heal your thyroid, which will then heal your Lyme disease, which will then heal your ADHD. That's not what this proverb is about. Because I think this proverb is related to another Hippocrates quote, which I almost committed this episode to. And that quote goes like this. Before you heal someone, ask him if he's willing to give up the things that make him sick. The idea that people ought to give up the things that make them sick is a rather controversial opinion these days. More on that later. Why does the sort of person matter more than the sort of disease? Well, let me begin by rewording this proverb. It's more important to know what sort of student is learning a book than to know what sort of book a student is learning. Same sort of idea. Or, it's more important to know what sort of diner is ordering a meal than to know what sort of meal a diner is ordering. The food might be delicious, but that won't matter if the person who ordered it is allergic to it. Why does the sort of person matter more than the sort of disease? Some people don't want to be healed. There's a difference between wanting to be healed and not wanting to suffer anymore or not wanting to suffer right now. Some people don't want to be healed. They just want a little attention right now even if that attention is from an overworked doctor or an ER nurse. Some people are going to complain about everything, including the cure. They don't want to be pleased. They want to complain. They want something new to complain about. They want the medicine not to work. On the other hand, some people are going to be happy with anything, even medicine that doesn't work. They don't want to be displeased. They want to tell the doctor, you did a good job. You cured me. So what sort of person are you dealing with? Or what sort of student are you dealing with? Are you dealing with somebody who wants to be healed? Are you dealing with somebody who wants to be discipled? There are many people who claim they want to be healed, even though they don't. They simply don't want to suffer the natural consequences of their actions. Many physical ailments 
grow out of an inordinate desire for pleasure. An inordinate desire for food will lead to physical suffering. An inordinate desire for sex, drugs, liquor, inactivity, laziness, sleep, all of these things will, if unchecked, lead to physical ailments. I mean, besides this, how many people get injured playing recreational sports? How many people get concussions, sprains, broken bones, doing something fun? Some people don't want to be healed. Or they're willing to seek healing until it hurts. I confess the same sins every time I go to confession. There are times when I'm in the middle of a confession when I'm waiting for the priest to look at me and say, look, do you want to be done with these things or not? Like you've been coming here for years saying the same things over and over again. Do you want to be healed? Do you really? <laughs> Prove it. Like, can you, can, what proof can you offer me that you want to be healed of these things? Now, on one hand, I might say, well, I'm here again, right? <laughs> I'm back at confession. But I, I think that I owe more than that. I think my debt is greater than just admitting what I've done wrong. Admitting's a start. It's not the whole thing. When Orthodox Christians go to confession, there is a formula which is pronounced by the priest before the penitent begins naming his sins. And this might be true in the Catholic tradition as well. I don't know. And that formula is basically make sure you confess everything. And there's kind of this more formulaic, formulaic way that uh, the priest puts it. But it's basically make sure you confess everything. You don't want to come to the physician and leave unhealed. So you've got to at least be honest about where it hurts. But that's entry level right there. Make sure you confess everything. Don't come to the physician and leave unhealed. Now, this instruction is surely born of experience. There has to be, has to have been, who knows how many... Uh, decades, if not centuries, where priests finished hearing confession and thought, that can't be it. <laughs> you're kidding me. You haven't been to confession in three months and you're going to confess what? Overeating once and stealing a parking spot. <laughs> and they had to mention this to each other. You ever feel like you're not getting the whole story? Mm hmm. Maybe we should put something in there about that. Okay. Don't come to the physician and leave on him. Be careful. Now, it's not that Hippocrates says that the disease doesn't matter at all. This is a statement about relative importance. So again, Hippocrates is not a relativist. It's not that I don't know, pancreatic cancer isn't going to kill you if you're very brave. That's not what this is about. Rather, Hippocrates says that the person matters more than the disease. Not that the disease doesn't matter. 
And in this, Hippocrates is simply restating something that the Lord says and proves many times, which is that the soul is more important than the body. Christ teaches this over and over again. Don't fear them that can destroy the body. Fear him who can throw body and soul into hell. Or when the man on his bed is lowered through the roof, what does Christ do? Forgives his sins. He only restores his ability to walk after he restores his soul. Soul's more important. Christ attends to first things. He prioritizes. Some concerns, some affairs are more important than others. Some commandments are more important than others. It's more important to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease a person has. The sort of disease is a physical matter. The sort of person is a spiritual matter. And spiritual matters matter more than physical matters. Now, there is a connection between physical problems and spiritual problems. At the same time, this connection is not straightforward. It's not always straightforward. Not all physical problems are the result of spiritual problems. And yet, most spiritual problems lead to physical problems. So, let me say that again. Not all physical problems are the result of spiritual problems, right? You slip on the ice and break your leg. That's not a spiritual problem. But spiritual problems will lead to physical problems. Now, I th what this means is that you can't look at just any old body who's suffering physically and say, well, you must have sinned somewhere. I mean, this is one of the points of the whole book of Job, right? This is, well, not to trivialize the story, but this is also a point of Christ's own life. Christ suffers, but he's the innocent one. Job looks forward to Christ. All of Job's friends come to him and say, well, he must have done something. He must have blasphemed or committed some sort of spiritual trespass. Just confess it and, and we'll move on. Job says, no, I am innocent. I didn't do anything wrong, yet I am suffering. So it's possible, of course, to physically suffer and for that suffering to not be the result of some spiritual malady. At the same time, and that's true, most spiritual problems lead to physical problems. If you're a glutton, there will be physical consequences. High blood pressure is in the cards for you if you're a glutton. That doesn't mean that everybody with high blood pressure is a glutton, but it does mean that gluttony leads to high blood pressure. If you're lazy, there'll be physical consequences. If you sleep around, there will be physical consequences. There are physical consequences to lust, to pride, avarice. I mean, all of the vices lead to the corruption of the body somehow. There are financial consequences to envy, and financial consequences often lead to physical bodily consequences. At the same time, the dialogue that now surrounds Victim blaming means that all physical suffering takes place in a vacuum, so far as we're concerned. 
or we at least we have to speak this way. We have to view all sorts of sickness and illness, whether they're physical sickness and illness, mental sickness and illness, as entirely 100% beyond the culpability, beyond the responsibility of the sick person. And every sick person is entitled to the alleviation of their pain. If you've got a disorder, you need drugs. Now, there's an extent, I should, I should put a caveat on this. And that caveat is that it used to be that if you were in physical pain, you were entitled to the alleviation. Now only some people are entitled to the alleviation of physical pain. You may have noticed this in the last four or five years. Normal people have to suffer a lot more than they used to. I don't know if you've tried to get a prescription from a doctor for pain relief in the last four or five years. It's like pulling teeth. It's like pulling fossilized teeth. This isn't the end of the world, and I'm not complaining. Maybe I'm complaining. But the last half a dozen times I've gone to the doctor for pain, they've all said, including my physician who's been seeing me for like eight years now and knows me very well, what they all say anymore is, uh, take some Tylenol. And I say, I have. And they're like, well, take some more. Like four years ago, worst pain of my entire life. I had a pinched nerve in my shoulder. I sat in the ER drooling and moaning and rocking back and forth for 90 minutes, I swear. After they called my name, it was at least another half an hour longer before I got a pill. Not really anything to take home. <laughs> Maybe this is good, though. Maybe this puts pain in a better perspective, in a better light. Maybe doctors are doing good work, getting people to tolerate pain more. It's more important to know what sort of person has a disease than to know what sort of disease a person has. This quote concerns a number of people. Like this, this proverb has this kind of broad cloud of community that surrounds it. It's, it's best to understand this proverb as not just being about a doctor and a patient, because there's someone else involved in this proverb. There's the sick man, there's the doctor, and then there's the other sick people who aren't in the doctor's office right now. Kind of this invisible third party in this proverb. If the doctor knows his patient is unwilling to do those things that are necessary for him to get better, he might want to save his rare costly medicine for someone who is willing to do those things. Similarly, a teacher's time is limited. Why spend an hour editing a badly written essay for a student who's gonna throw it away as soon as he sees the grade? Give that student an F and tell him he can talk with you about it if he wants to. And if he doesn't want, he doesn't want, he doesn't get. 
The person matters more than the disease because strong men can handle strong medicines. Weak men cannot even handle the diagnosis. Weak men cannot bear to hear the truth. Weak men will simply deny a terrifying diagnosis. As a teacher, as someone who has been into the back rooms of the, of the grades factory and seen how report cards are made and seen how parent-teacher conferences are made, let me, I swear to you, fewer than one in a hundred teachers will actually tell you what they think of your child. You can't handle it. Modern people can't handle it. If someone asked me, what do you think of my child? Tell me, honestly. Don't hold anything back. I can handle it. I'd say prove it. What proof can you offer me that you want the real diagnosis here? How much is in your wallet? It's one thing to say you want the truth. And it's another thing to be capable of hearing the diagnosis, no matter how terrifying it is. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night Guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.